This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said it is, but others said, no, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, how are your eyes opened? He replied, the man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, go to Siloam to wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, if he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, you are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to him, this is what is so amazing that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, you were born totally in sin and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that, the, he had been th that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? 
Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshiped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying we see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. We are beginning the fourth Sunday of Lent. The fourth Sunday of Lent is traditionally called Laetare Sunday, which is a word in Latin that means rejoice. Lent, particularly for those of you who have been actively living it, is a long season. Lent is the six-plus-week season of spiritual preparation for the coming of the holiest days of the year, the Easter Triduum, Holy Thursday through Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday. Many people in this community, including many of you, have seriously, day by day, and now it's past three weeks, day by day, it turns out to be a long period, have been trying to turn away from sin in a more intense way and to grow as more faithful disciples of Jesus in a more intense way. Traditionally, on this fourth Sunday, there's a breaking of our Lenten discipline. Some people are scandalized. Tim Tully over there was just scandalized to hear this. Traditionally, in our faith community, not just here, the church around the world, on this Sunday, people break their Lenten disciplines if they want to. Part of that is just to remember, well, it's to get them in order. You know, if you become obsessed with chocolate at this point, consider it, eat all the chocolate you want today and consider another discipline because it's not supposed to be about chocolate. But it's also to remind us that Lent is only oriented to joy. Joy is the deepest human experience of God's love becoming real. Everything we're doing in Lent is to try to enter into those holiest days so that we can be renewed in the salvation that Jesus has given us so that we can experience the joy of life that he wants us to have now and the joy that he wants us to have eternally. I hope that for the many of you who are actively living Lent, not about those disciplines, but about the daily prayer and the daily penance and the daily trying to up your life as a Christian, I hope that you find this Sunday inspiring and I hope you find the example from that gospel passage encouraging to get up tomorrow hung over with chocolate or whatever you're experiencing and to get moving again with Lent. At the beginning of that passage in John 9, Jesus tells people, I, Jesus, am the light of the world. That is an absolute statement that whether it's 2,000 years ago or today, you and I just heard it, once you hear it, you have to respond. You can respond with indifference for a variety of reasons. You can respond by backing away from Jesus. You can respond by drawing closer to Jesus. If I, Paul O'Brien, come in here today and I tell you I am the light of the world, some of you will probably say I'm not even paying attention, I hope all of you otherwise will back away from that because that's not true, absolutely not true. When Jesus says it, it is true, and I think you're going to get this. If you are actively living Lent, I think you will see that you are moving closer to him who says he's the light of the world. After Jesus says that in the passage, 
he performs a uniquely powerful miracle. He has a man who was born blind. In our Old Testament, all the different miracles of God in the Old Testament, never is anybody who's born blind miraculously healed through God's grace. So this is unheard of for our Jewish ancestors. Jesus enters into this man's life and miraculously allows him to see. Like all of Jesus' miracles, we know that is meant to show people how God is so uniquely, powerfully working through Jesus. I presume it's to reinforce what he's just said. I'm the light of the world. Then you see this man, born blind, able to see. Hopefully you're going to move closer to Jesus. The passage is entirely realistic. In fact, hearing those words and witnessing the miracle, by no means does everybody move toward Jesus. In fact, many people move away from Jesus. So consider honestly the people in that passage. One group of people are the man's neighbors. The neighbors say, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Many people say in the crowd, yes. Some of them say, no, he just looks like him. I ha you think about why that could be. There's no answer. Why would they say that? I mean, maybe they're overwhelmed by the miracle. I don't really think that's the case. Could be. It could be that they are indifferent. It could be they just don't care. They're focused on themselves. They're focused on other things. Even though this astonishing miracle has taken place, they're focused on other realities. They're indifferent. It could be that they've got negative things about that man. For whatever reason, it's just ridiculous from 50,000 feet. Of course it's the same man. And he says, it is I. I was blind, and now I can see. Those neighbors are given this invitation by Jesus to see that he's the light of the world, not just visibly, but spiritually see. And in fact, they choose to back away. In that passage are also the man's parents. The man's parents are afraid of certain Jewish leaders. I think you all know this, but I want to make clear. In the Gospel of John, when John says the Jews, he doesn't mean all Jewish people. He means certain Jewish leaders at Jesus' time. Certain Jewish leaders are intimidated by Jesus. They're afraid of Jesus' shaking up their understanding of God. They're afraid of Jesus' threatening their status quo as religious leaders. They have told people, if you say that Jesus is the Messiah, we're going to throw you out of the synagogue. That would be equal to our, my saying, you know, if you do X, Y, or Z, we're going to throw you out of St. Patrick Parish. That's a terrible thing. It's not the end of the world, right? It's being canceled by the local community. His parents are afraid of this. So the parents are called in to confirm that he was born blind, and they do that. But when it comes to how did it take place or who did it, and they know the answer to that, they refuse to answer, and they put it on their son. I was just thinking this morning, we just prayed Psalm 23. That psalm is very dear to most Christians and also most Jewish people. It's very familiar to most of us. I think it's safe to guess to those parents they must have sat in the synagogue praying to God, who is, I turn to you to give me courage. 
When those people, when the going gets tough, somehow that's out the window. By the way, this morning, I'll tell you courage, fifth grade, standing up in front of all these people and being a canter, that's courage. Those parents, in my opinion, which is the only opinion that matters, those parents have less courage from God than you do. The parents won't even summon the courage available to them. How disappointing is that? Some of us, unfortunately, have had this experience. Parents who back down from the truth when the going gets just a little bit tough. Those parents are so afraid of being canceled, to use our terms today, that they also, they back away from Jesus. The miracle has taken place. I'm sure they have heard Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. In fact, they back away. Most importantly in there, in terms of negative examples, are the religious leaders. Those religious leaders are personally against Jesus, who is, in fact, the Son of God. Of course, they don't understand that. No problem with that. But they allow their insecurities, their fear, to get between them and Jesus. At the beginning of the passage, when the miracle takes place, again, they should be confused about it. They should have all the opinions in the world. Some of them say he can't be of God, Jesus, because he healed on the Sabbath. They interpret that the Sabbath day, that would be doing work, even to heal this man. That's a, an honest opinion. Others of them say at first, how can that be? I mean, he's only God could be the source of this, and there's a division among them. That's all good. God divides. The truth divides. The problem is they then allow all of their personal limitations and issues to get in the way of the truth. Pay attention to the passage when you reread it. Three times they say, we know who this man is. They have no idea who Jesus is. If they would just say, we don't know who this man is, they'd be on the right track. They are so focused on themselves, we know who he is. They back away from Jesus. Most pathetic because they are supposed to know God better than anybody else. I hope if you have been actively living Lent that you can relate to all of those people. I can relate to it. I have heard that Jesus Christ is the light of the world from the time I was a kid. I actually know he's the light of the world. Does that mean that I am constantly moving closer to him? Of course not. And that's the honesty of Lent. I can relate to all of those people. I can relate to not having courage. I can relate to caving to other people's stupid ideas. I can relate to being indifferent. I can relate to being extremely selfish and, and backing away from Jesus. If you've been actively living Lent and you can relate to the neighbors, the parents, and the religious leaders, rejoice. That's the evidence that you've been living Lent. If you're sitting here and you say, I'm not like those people at all, I encourage you to enter into Lent. So the most important person in the passage after Jesus ultimately is the man. The man is the positive example. So the man at the beginning of the passage has no, there's no evidence that he knows who Jesus is or that he cares whatsoever about Jesus. Jesus takes the initiative. 
Jesus enters into his life. Did you pay attention to what Jesus does? He spits on the ground. He spits into some dirt. Read Genesis. Ah, dirt, God. He spits into some dirt, and he makes some clay, and he smears it on the guy's eyes. That's disgusting. From a, just someone comes along and smears clay he's made with his spit on you. And Jesus tells him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, a pool in Jerusalem associated with God's presence. He goes and does it. I don't mean this as a joke. Maybe just because he's got this clay made out of a person's spit on his face. Obviously, he goes and does it. And he's miraculously cured when the clay is washed off. He can see. He knows he can see. He knows that this has, is real. He knows that it came through Jesus. And there's no evidence that he believes anything about Jesus at this point. He's just experienced Jesus entering his life. The man, as the passage goes on, it's revealed who he really is with all of his limitations. He says three times, I don't know who Jesus is. He's being honest. He does not yet know who Jesus is. But as he's engaged in this very real world, and these very real people with all of their problems and all of their sinfulness, he emerges as a person who listens. He pays attention to what other people are doing. He reflects on what other people are saying and doing. Here's a big one, kids. He is not overly discouraged by his parents' failures. Lawrence, do not get overly disappointed by my parents' failures. They're real, but they're just my parents. They are not Jesus Christ. He is not intimidated, like his parents are, by nasty, local, petty people who threaten to cancel people. He, as the passage goes on, gets increasingly thoughtful, increasingly articulate, he begins to even be positively sarcastic with those lousy leaders who knew he was Irish. He becomes increasingly sarcastic with them, and he throws it back at them. He throws back at these people what they're saying, and they reject so negatively that they throw him out. They cancel him. They do to him what they threaten to do to his parents. And guess what? He's fine. He's still alive. It stinks to be cast out. He's fine. In fact, he's more than fine. Jesus comes back to him. And you can see how God's spirit is working in this. Jesus engages in another conversation that quickly, because he's been connected with all of this and giving the best of himself, he comes to hear from Jesus that Jesus is the Son of Man, the term Jesus uses just for himself, and he professes Jesus to be Lord. This man at the beginning cannot see physically. He's given a wonderful miracle to be able to see physically. That miracle can go away tomorrow. What if he has an accident that harms his eyes? What if someone throws acid at him? That's a temporary miracle. 
Ultimately, he receives the miracle of spiritual sight. He comes to know in his soul that Jesus is the light of the world. If he continues to pursue Jesus as Lord, he will experience the fullness of salvation now and until the up to eternal life. If you've been actively living Lent, I really do hope you can relate to him. I hope that during Lent, you have come to understand more honestly your strengths. I hope that you have been listening. I know so many of you have been listening to the scripture day by day to reflect, to think, to consider the nasty little people who are constantly around us in life, and particularly in this country, the people who hate Jesus, who threaten to cancel us if we connect with Jesus. Petty little people, cancel me. I hope that if you've been living Lent, you have summoned from God some more courage. I hope that you have seen that even your parents and their problems cannot keep you from Jesus. I hope when you see that man born blind, his straightforward strengths you recognize in yourself. And if that is the case, rejoice. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.